What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week, this week and every week. With the NFL season finally wrapping up, it is time to shift gears and start talking about what is going on with the organization known as the Buffalo Sabres. It has been bad for a long time now, but I think with a couple of key fixes, we might be able to shift the product and get it better, at least on ice level. So stick around and we're going to talk about all these things on the upcoming episode. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening. So let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. All right, let's jump right into things here in segment number one, and we're going to talk about the abysmal state of the Buffalo Sabres. As or at the time of recording, the Sabres sit 23, 23, and 7. They sit 11 points out of third place in the Atlantic Division, which is the playoff spot that they're aiming to get, uh, aiming to, get to. The Sabres have just 151 goals for, or 2.884 goals for per game, and 167 goals against, or 3.15 goals against per game, and they are coming off of an absolutely embarrassing loss at home to the Colorado Avalanche where they were just completely outclassed from beginning to end by the Avalanche team. The Sabres lost 6-1 to in this game, and I feel bad for anybody that not only watched the entire game but spent money on it. I watched the second period of this game, and I gotta tell you, Holy cow, did I turn in or tune in for a bad period. I was out of town for a little bit uh, for the overnight, so I couldn't watch the UB game or this game, unfortunately. But I was able to stream just a little bit of this game, just enough to see how completely outclassed the Sabres were in essentially every facet of that game. Now, with the Sabres organization, it seems like the problems have been coming from all levels from the top all the way down to on the ice and it's making the organization as a whole look terrible and fans are really starting to get fed up with the entire entire thing as we know the caller Dwayne with the hashtag we are all Dwayne had an epic rant a five minute rant on Chopin the Bulldog it was fantastic if you haven't heard it I suggest going into the WGR vault and listening to it 
he says what most fans are feeling, and that is why we came or they came up with the hashtag "We Are All Dwayne." Again, go listen to it. It is just an absolutely epic rant. We're going to start at the top, and it seems like the ownership slash president of the team, which is Kim Pagula, Terry Pagula's wife, they seem disinterested this year, especially. And maybe it's because, you know, the Sabres are doing so bad that it appears that they're disinterested and the Sabres have been bad for a long time now. So maybe it just appears to us that they're very disinterested in this team. But it it appears that they're even more so disinterested in this team. It seems like they're not even listening to fans' wants or needs, especially after getting rid of uh, Ted Black, who at least seemed like he was entertaining Sabres fans needs and even if the product on the ice was terrible at least he was trying to promote and give you know the fans what they want and their game day experience and part of this in my opinion has to do with the success of the Buffalo Bills now the Bills went 10 and 6 this year made the playoffs should have won their first playoff game but but threw up all over themselves in the second half of that game and it just seems like they're putting a little bit more focus into the Buffalo Bills, then into the Buffalo Sabres. Again, from the top, PSE, which is the Pakula Sports Entertainment, one of the other things that they have done wrong is they, you know, buy, think little things like buying knockoff jerseys for the alumni and spelling the alumni's name wrong. Little things like that fans take notice of, and it seems sloppy, and it, it's just a poor reflection on your organization as a whole. It makes it look like these are the things that make it look like you don't care, that you're not paying any attention to us whatsoever, and that we are an afterthought, and that the Sabres themselves are an afterthought, especially with the product that you're putting out onto the ice. One of the other things that makes it seem like they really don't care about the fans, is if you have gone to a Sabres game lately, the concession stands are way, 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 way overpriced. I cannot state that enough. I know that when I go to a sports game, I'm going to get gouged. I understand that. But it seems like the prices have continuously risen, even though the product on the ice has not really substantiated rising raising prices in any facet of the team's operations at all. Now, I understand it's a business for Terry Pagula and things like that, but as fans, we want to feel like we're getting our money's worth. And if you keep raising the prices in things like concession stands and you know ticket prices, things like that, it doesn't really look good, especially when your team has is potentially going to be out, or almost certainly going to be out of the playoffs for the ninth straight year and looking, if this thing doesn't get drastically better, to potentially tying the NHL record 10 straight seasons of not making the playoffs in the NHL where half the teams or just about half the teams make the playoffs is pretty embarrassing. Another thing for the uh, top-down approach thing here is that the building itself, the, I don't know what it's called now, First Niagara Center, I think it's called now. It's switched names so many times in the, in the last uh, 10 years that I can't keep track, but the building itself feels old. It feels dilapidated. There have not been. A, there's been a little bit of upgrades here and there. The store and you know some of some of the concourses a little bit, but for the most part, the bathrooms, the seats, the arena, the inside part of the arena, the ice, 
the you know the jumbotron the things like that they have not really been overhauled they've not really been upgraded you know the sound system i think it was upgraded i i don't remember how long it was over a decade ago at least the sound system was upgraded but this is a tw- only a 24 year old building it's not that old the Sabres started playing in it in 1996-97, I believe, was the, the first year that the Buffalo Sabres started playing at the first Niagara Center. And it already feels like one of the oldest buildings in the NHL. And that is a real knock uh, on ownership itself because, again, you want not just Sabres fans to come to your games, but you want other teams' fans to come to your games and really marvel at how good of an experience it is to come to Buffalo and not just fans, but players and, and free agents and, and, you know, uh, young kids coming in. We keep hosting the NHL entry draft scouting combine. And with those things, you really want to make a push that, that yes, this is a place that you want to be as a player. Now we're going to go a little bit further down the chain here. The general manager in his, is in his third full year and has been very, very, you could say hit or miss in terms of player acquisition and player management. Now, he has brought in some pretty decent pieces that we cannot discount. I think that a lot of times Sabres fans look at all of the misses that he has, and they don't look at a lot of the hits that he has had, that he has brought into the Sabres organization. One of the things that he, a couple of the players he has hit on, he's brought in a couple of really talented players including Yoki Haru, Jeff Skinner, Colin Miller, these guys. But, you know, he his acquisitions have been overshadowed by his player mismanagement in terms of not getting, bringing in too, too much depth and not trading it away to bring in better pieces that can help your team right now. Obviously, the blunder of trading away Ryan O'Reilly and essentially getting nothing in return for it is a huge blunder. Uh, I guess we will see next season with the development of Tage Thompson whether or not the trade is going to look as bad as it does right now. Another thing for the GM is it doesn't seem like he has a plan in place. We talk about, I just talked about this a little bit with the mismanagement of the players. He brought in so, I don't know the exact number, I, I forget the exact number off the top of my head, so many right handed right shot defenseman which is a at a premium in the NHL and he up until the middle of the season didn't move any of them out to get the Sabres any forward help and the forward help that he did bring in with Marco Scandella was Michael Frolik who has two points in 11 10 11 12 games something like that and his one goal was an empty net goal they talk about okay well he's good on the penalty kill he has not been good on the penalty kill. The penalty kill is still terrible if you watch him. It's just not a good look overall. He has been he has mismanaged this thing all season long. And it and it you know, people's patience is wearing thin because of the mismanagement of last season where the Sabres won ten straight games and then just fell off an absolute cliff. The same kind of thing happened this year where the Sabres got off to a very, very good start and then have since been just a very average team, average to below average team, most nights in the NHL. That's just something that really, in my opinion, starts to fall on the GM. Another thing 
that uh, falls on the GM is keeping guys around like Larson's and Gergensen's and Rodriguez and all these guys that have essentially grown accustomed to losing in Buffalo. We had these guys, well, maybe not Rodriguez, but we've had, no, Rodriguez too. We've had these guys through some of the worst periods of hockey for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, I'm not saying these guys are terrible players, and maybe on other teams they can make better impacts. They are solid fourth-line guys, but they might need just another setting. You know, we might the Sabres might just need to get somebody else in here to help them with a change of scenery, and maybe, you know, that itself can really, really help uh, turn this thing around for the Buffalo Sabres. Like I said before, he has watched, uh, uh, Jason Botterill, the general manager, has watched the Sabres really waste really good long stretches, sustained stretches of really good play that made you feel like, yes, this is what it's like to be a good team. And we just, we are so hungry in Buffalo for a good team on the ice. We just, we want We want to be that moniker. We want to be hockey heaven again. We want a taste of the 05, 06, 06, 07 Buffalo Sabres. I'll even take the 10, uh, the 09, 10 Sabres. Just get into the playoffs because in the NHL, we've seen if you just get into the playoffs, anything can happen and the Sabres could potentially get hot at the right time and make a run. But with the team that's constructed the way it is now, there is no way they're going to get into the playoffs. And the last thing for the Sabres in terms of top-down is the coaching. Now, I was excited after reading a bunch of things about Kruger coming into the Buffalo Sabres. They said he wasn't really given a fair shake in Edmonton, that he was a really good coach, he was a really smart guy, he would put his players in the best position to win, Players loved playing for him. You would run through a wall for this guy. But there's been a couple of decisions that I'm going to talk about that really leave you scratching your head and making you wonder what in goodness name is going on. The first one is you keep playing Bogosian after he asked for a trade. If a player doesn't want to be here, get rid of him. And not just get rid of him. I don't care what you trade him for. People are saying, oh, you can trade him for this trade. I don't care what you trade him for. Just get him off the team. If he doesn't want to be here, send him somewhere else. Get a seventh-round draft pick for all I care. A good GM can turn a seventh-round draft pick into maybe package it into something else. They can, you know, they can get a, you know, a sixth-round draft pick and keep, you know, keep accumulating assets to keep trading up and up and up and up and make it into something good. But Jason Botterill seems like he's just very stubborn on how he views his guys, and he just un- almost unwilling to get rid of these guys. In the same thing, in the same kind of thing with that, is Evan Rodriguez. He has done nothing this season, nothing at all. And then when they finally do bench him, he gets his panties in a twist, gets upset, thinks he's oh some some great player. First off, the arbitrator gave him way too much money at $2 million a year. Secondly, when they finally do bench him because he's not doing anything, you know, he gets his panties in a twist, like I said, and asks for a trade. Well, guess what? If you don't want to be here and you're not producing on the ice, get the hell out. It's time to go. Trade him away. I don't care what you trade him for. Trade, trade him for future considerations for what all I care. Just get these guys off the team. 
There's no need to have these guys who are literally contributing nothing on this team who wanted to be traded to continuously roll them out there on the ice night after night after night after night. Again, I can understand maybe if you want to get these guys out there because they're playing really good hockey, but they don't want to be on a losing team and you're trying to boost their trade value. But guess what? They both suck. They both royally suck. And they're, they're, you're not getting anything for them. So either you let them walk at the end of the season, both of them, or you trade them for a bag of pucks and call it a day. Because at least, you know what? You get a bag of pucks. If you want to let them walk for nothing, let them walk for nothing. I don't care at this point. Just get them off the team. Get rid of them. Another thing that I don't like is the fact that they kept Lawrence Pilot in the AHL for so long. Lawrence Pilot proved in very long stretches last year that he belongs in the NHL. This is where I go with player uh, player mismanagement. You brought in far too many guys that are, you know, a 3-4, 5-6 kind of defenseman. And you didn't have room for Lawrence Pilot, who is a top four defenseman on most teams in the NHL. He can really play in his own end. He's, he can move the puck fairly well. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays the game the right way. And you don't notice him most nights. Whereas an NHL defenseman, unless you're some big top scorer, you don't want to notice your NHL defenseman on most nights. And last but not least, the thing that absolutely and 100% blows my mind night after night after night after night, you've seen that this team is essentially what it was last year, a one-line team. And I get what Kruger's trying to do, spread out the scoring, but guess what? It's not working, and it hasn't worked, and it continues to not work. So why not put your $9 million left wing, who you paid all that money to, to score goals with the guy he scored a career-high goals with? The fact that you don't put him on the line with Jack Eichel, especially when Victor Olofsson is hurt, is absolutely mind-numbing. It is making me want to pull out my freaking hair Every single game that we have to talk about him not putting Jeff Skinner on Jack Eichel's left side. Why are we putting guys like Zemgis Gergensen's and Jimmy VC on Eichel's left side? Stop doing that with that stupid experiment. The, the scoring is not going to be spread out. We don't have a second line center to get Jeff Skinner the puck in scoring positions so that he can bury the puck. That's not what Jeff Skinner gets paid to do. Jeff Skinner doesn't get paid to make a bunch of big plays and, and, and carry the puck. Jeff Skinner gets paid to score goals. Why not get him with the guy who can carry the puck up the ice and put him in a position to score the most goals? I just don't get it. Jeff Skinner and Johansson has not been working since the first month of the season. And yet here we are this late into the season with about 30 games left, and we're banging our heads against the wall trying to figure out why he will be—he will not put Skinner with Eichel. That is going to do it for this segment. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about maybe a couple of free agent and a trade and, uh, you know, maybe some guys the Sabres re-sign moving forward and things like that. Things that I think can potentially help remedy this Buffalo Sabres team. So stick around if you want to see or if you want to hear some of my uh, fixes for the Buffalo Sabres. All right, let's jump right into segment number two with some potential remedies for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, 
Do I think these moves are going to make the Buffalo Sabres a championship contender? No, probably not. But do I think these moves are going to be good enough to help the Sabres get into the playoffs and and help them potentially shake off that nine years that it's going to be after this season of not making the playoffs and not tie the NHL record 10 seasons of not making the playoffs. Let's start out with obvious, the most obvious thing. The biggest thing the Sabres need is a second line center. Marcus Johansson came to the Buffalo Sabres and at the beginning of the season, it looked like an absolute stroke of genius by Jason Botterill to bring him in here. Somebody that, you know, I think he had like 40 points last, I don't remember how many points he had last year, but started the season on absolute fire, was getting Jeff Skinner the puck in good scoring positions, and Jeff Skinner was doing what he always does, and he was absolutely burying it. He was killing it, but he was not able to sustain his play throughout the rest of the season, his first good month, and then he has fallen completely off of the edge. Now, the reason why I say the Sabres need a second-line center, and not just for this season, but for next season. I don't want the Sabres to rush Dylan Cousins the same way they rushed Casey Middlestad. Now, with that being said, I think in the preseason, Cousins looked better than Casey Middlestad this past year. But again, I want him to be put in a, a position to succeed and succeed at a high level. I don't want to bank on him being able to step in as a 19-year-old and be the second-line center. We were spoiled with guys like Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin who could come in and make immediate impacts, but that's just not the way the NHL works normally. And I think Dylan Cousins would benefit from another season potentially in the minors, I know that they're the CBA and things like that. He cannot play in the AHL. I think they're trying to rectify that. But if he does make the team out of training camp, I would like Dylan Cousins to be the third line center for the Buffalo Sabres. And the reason for that is I, I, I don't want them to put all that pressure of the organization on, on simply relying on the 19-year-old to come in and produce right away and and have a huge, huge impact on that second line. It really stunted the growth of Casey Middlestat, who I've said over and over and over again, needed to be in the NCAA for another season and then in the AHL. The fact that they did not see this uh, all of last season and for a better part of this season is mind-boggling to me. They just kept trying to make it work at a return and didn't want to want to admit that he needed some more time to develop. I still have high hopes for Casey Middlestat, but he just needed more time. He might even need another season in the AHL. So again, I don't want to rush Dylan Cousins. I want the Sabres to go out at the trade deadline and add a piece not just for this year, not a UFA or anything like that. The Sabres, like I said before, I don't think the Sabres are making the playoffs, but I want them to add somebody that could potentially be a little bit of a place filler and that's somebody that when he gets to his highest level that Dylan Cousins can jump over and they can just flip-flop from second center to third center 
and still maintain a very strong, uh, you know, core going forward. Now, who I think the Sabres should go after is Kyle Turris. Now, again, not saying that he is completely and 100% up for grabs. Everything I'm talking about right now is based on the TSN trade bait list that I looked up online. Kyle Turris, he has a big cap hit at $6 million per year, but the Sabres would have him for another four full years. After this season, they'd have him for another three years. Is $6 million a huge cap hit? It absolutely and 100% is. But again, I would trade for Kyle Turris for a couple reasons. He is a proven veteran in this league. He has had a bit of a downturn in Nashville after being a very good player for the Ottawa Senators. He is a three-time 20-goal scorer, and he's scoring at a .49 points per game clip this season in 40 games. He or In the games that he's played, he's averaging a .49 points per game. In 82 games, he's at about a 40-point range, uh, and he could slot in and be your second-line center for a year, and like I said, potentially just flip-flop with Dylan Cousins, and that would help take the pressure off uh, of Cousins for an extra year if he makes the team next year, which I think he can, most likely. I don't think that he needs to potentially spend... I, I know it's contradictory to what I just said before, but, you know, I want him to develop, but if he can make the team, I would like him to slot in at, like, the third-line center for uh, Dylan Cousins. I don't want him to be the second line center right away. Now, like I just said, if Cousins makes the team, I don't want him to be relied upon. We really, really rushed Casey Middlestad, and that really hurt the Sabres organization as a whole and hurt Casey Middlestad himself. It really it was just not beneficial to anybody, and I would really hate to completely have another repeat of that now, again, I know the Sabres have next to no cap space, but this is where Jason Botterill has to be a good GM and figure out a way to make the money work. He has to figure out a way to slot in that $6 million in cap space for the rest of this season because next season he will have a lot of cap space freed up and get rid of a lot of these bad contracts that or some of these bad contracts that the Sabres do have. He will get rid of Froelich. He'll get rid of Zach Bogosian. That frees up $9 million in cap space right there. And it can really make uh, a big difference in terms of the depth scoring for the Buffalo Sabres. Somebody I think the Sabres should go after in free agency in the offseason. Again, this is based off of uh, the NHL's top 30 potential free agents for this offseason is, if the money is right, Tyler Toffoli. Now, they said that his scoring has dropped off, but I went and I, his goal scoring has dropped off a little bit, but I went and looked at his scoring. He still has 14 goals and 16 assists in 53 games this season, and that is a that would slot in as one of our better players jumping right onto the Sabres right now. I would slot, if like I said, if the money's right, I would slot Toffoli in on the second line right wing, and I'll go over the lines that I have the Sabres 
hopefully if they make these moves going into next season that I think can make them competitive. Now, one of the things that people don't seem to talk about a lot, I mean, they talk about it a little bit, but not a lot, is goaltending in Buffalo. Linus Olmark has been very solid for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not saying he has not played well, but do I think he is a franchise goalie? I do not. Do I think he can steal you games? On occasion, he can, but not. he's not that guy, in my opinion. He is not a Ryan Miller-type player that can really steal you games when your team is just completely having an off night the way Ryan Miller did when he was in his prime. Like I said, the Sabres went from Dominic Hasek, who was the greatest goaltender ever, uh, to... I think it was Marty Biron was in the middle there, was one of the starting goaltenders in the middle there. But then they went almost, I don't say almost immediately, but not long after, then they had Ryan Miller, who was the uh, winningest goalie in franchise history. That is a big deal for the Buffalo Sabres. They have not had a number one goalie. If you think about it, and I mean really think about it, if the Sabres had solid goaltending two years ago, they would have been not two years ago, three years ago, they would have made, I believe they would have made the playoffs. Maybe even two years ago, they would have made the playoffs. But Robin Leonard simply could not stop a beach ball when it came to the shootout. And that really hurt the Sabres as they got to a lot of shootouts. And I don't, I think he stopped one all season long, which is just absolutely dreadful. You cannot have that as a starting goalie. That really hurt the Buffalo Sabres. That left a lot of points. Uh, on the table that the Sabres could have really used to be contenders. And maybe we are not talking about potentially going into a ninth straight year of no playoffs. Question is, do you believe, sorry about that, do you believe UPL can be the franchise goaltender that everyone is really expecting him to be? So far, all the indications are yes, he can be. He has looked very good in the minors. He has looked pretty good in the the couple of instances he's had in the AHL. And now he's really coming, now he's coming off of hip surgery, by the way. He is starting to round into form. And I think I want to see a little bit more him in the preseason to kind of get a better feel as to how good I think he can really be. Going into the offseason. Here are the players that I think the Sabres should just completely walk away from and try to fill in, fill the lines in around these guys just walking away. I would be completely fine if the Sabres got nothing for these guys in return. I would be happy if they got something, but I would be okay if they got nothing and just let these guys walk away at the end of the season. The Sabres should let Connor Sherry walk. They should let Jimmy Vesey walk. They should absolutely, absolutely let Evan Rodriguez walk. They should let Zach Bogosian walk, if not traded. And here are the players that I think the Sabres should and should consider potentially re-signing to kind of fill in the depth for the Buffalo Sabres roster. Resign Linus Olmark. As I said, I think he can carry the load until UPL is ready. Uh, he's played 33 games this year. He's 16 and 14 with three overtime losses, and his save percentage is pretty good at a .914. And uh, he, he has played solid in the games. Now, obviously, he's hurt right now. He's going to be hurt for a little while. But 
I really think that you should sign him. It'll give the Sabres some stability and goal and really help, uh, you know, be able to develop UPL longer as goaltenders tend to take a lot longer to develop than forwards and defensemen. I think you should absolutely re-sign Lawrence Pilot. Of course, I talked about him before. He is a top four defenseman in my opinion, and the Sabres should 100% bring him back into the fold for next year. He is a restricted free agent, and another restricted free agent for the Sabres is Brandon Montour. I think the Sabres should bring him back. He can slot in in the 5-6 area for the Buffalo Sabres, potentially, and they could, uh, you know, bring him back into the fold and really have six fairly solid defensemen with Jake McCabe being the seventh defenseman and being able to fill in every once in a while, you know, when somebody gets hurt or things like that and be able to have that little bit of depth at defense. Not quite what we had this year, thank God. Not a log jam of defense, but a solid defense that going into next season, they have the depth and they have somebody else there that can step in and play and you can be confident in him playing limited minutes and, you know, getting the job done if somebody is hurt. Now, I'm going to read you my lines that I have created based on a couple of the moves that I said the Sabres could make and should make in the trade deadline and the offseason. Now, going into this next season, I think the Sabres' number one line should be Eichel and Reinhardt. Now, let me say that again. Reinhardt obviously should be re-signed by the Buffalo Sabres uh, for the right price. I don't think he's worth $10 million, but in the seven, seven and a half million range for sure for Sam Reinhardt for however long you essentially really wanted to keep him, five, seven years, something like that. But the first line, like I was saying, Eichel, Reinhardt, Olsson, they seem to work really well together. And have a very strong connection. The second line. The two pieces that I said we should acquire are on the second line. Kyle Turris, Tyler Toffoli on the right side. And Jeff Skinner on the left side. I think Jeff Skinner's offense will really be bolstered by somebody like Turris in the middle. And Tyler Toffoli on the other side. This way he's not playing with complete bums. Not that Johansson's a complete bum. But he's not a second line guy essentially. And I think adding those two pieces can really help the depth of the Buffalo Sabres. Slotting in at the third line center is Dylan Cousins. On his left side is Tage Thompson. I think Tage Thompson has shown you that he can play in the AHL. And if he is placed as a third line player with somebody like Dylan Cousins and a guy like Marcus Johansson, who can really carry the puck, into the zone and really make plays, especially against lower talent, lower tier talent than he is used to playing against this season. I think the third line can be really effective line, and the third or the fourth line, I have Curtis Lazar. I think you should bring Curtis Lazar back. I believe he's a restricted free agent. You're unfortunately saddled with Kyle Poso. His contract keeps going. If he doesn't retire, he'll come back and he'll, he should slot in on the fourth line as the NHL's most expensive fourth liner. And then you can take your choice as to whether or not you want to bring back either Gergensen's or Larson to put on the left side for the fourth line in this one. If you don't want to bring either of them back and put like Scott Wilson in there or something like that, I'm fine with that too. But you bring one of those two guys back and then I think you have a lineup 
that can really contend for a playoff spot. You have depth in scoring. You have guys that can come out and play defense. And you you just have guys that are slotted into a more natural position that they are used to being able to play and guys that can can really play against a little bit lower tier talent to get them going into next season. But those are my little bit of remedies for the Buffalo Sabres going into next season that I think can make them competitive. Let me know what you think. You can follow me on Twitter at SportstalkBuff1. You can also send me an email at SportstalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. You can also leave me a voice message on Anchor.fm on this uh, podcast's uh, homepage. You can leave a voice message right on there and I can put your voice messages right into the show. Also, let your friends and family know if they like what they're hearing. They can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. This was a long time coming. Thank you for your patience and letting me play out the rest of the NFL season and really starting to dig into the problems with the Buffalo Sabres. Again, thank you for listening and have a good week.